Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's podcast, where we talk anything and everything sports. Uh, I'm sports editor Dandy Adano, along with Will Kennedy, our assistant sports editor. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today with uh, the first round of the NFL draft being done, as well as all the success the Hope College teams have had. And uh, we might even have some time for a couple of high school things to talk about as well and, uh, you know, some other local area things. Uh, but will the NFL draft, man, I, it's, it's really strange. I actually was kind of excited for the draft, not in an excitement, I guess not exciting. It's probably a strong word. I actually watched the whole first round, which is rare for me. Um, but it was just, there were a lot of interesting things this time to, to think about. There were some interesting trades. There were some quarterback trades before the draft started, um, and then, you know, you kind of knew who the number one pick was, but then after that, it was, there was a lot of question marks, which I always find kind of fun and suspenseful. Like, you know, I find the draft to be better reality TV than reality TV. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what did you think about, uh, about some of the, some of the surprises and just, uh, what are your first impressions of the first round? Well, yeah. So I, I was like, you, this is the first time I watched the whole first round. And I think I, I went to bed like the 31st pick. So I skipped two picks. Um, but yeah, this is the first time I watched the whole first round in a, in a very long time. It was, it was entertaining to me. I'm not a huge NFL guy. I'm more of a college football guy. I've worked in college football for a few years. For, so I knew a few of the guys who were potentially going to get drafted, um, which was cool. So I'm always excited for them. And then, yeah, I mean, the quarterback drama, I just, the fact that anybody not named Justin Fields as the second best quarterback taken is absurd to me because there is a clear number one. I've been hyping up Trevor Lawrence ever since he was a junior in high school in Cartersville because he's always been like the best quarterback prospect ever, in my opinion. Uh, and then Justin Fields, just such a clear number two to me. And I don't understand the Zach Wilson hype. I don't understand the uh, Trey Lance hype. He has, he's played one game in two years and it was average at best. Um, and then the Mac Jones hype, I mean, he had three Heisman candidates on his offense. I mean, who wouldn't succeed in that offense? Right. Um, but you know, he fell to a, a, a decent place. So that's fine. But, but yeah, outside of that, not too many surprises. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins got a great, great wide receiver in, in Jalen Waddle linking back up with Tua. Alabama completely dominated the first round as is expected. Um, my alma mater saw two, two Northwestern Wildcats drafted in the first round for the first time in history. And I manage the equipment for both of them. So shout out to my guys, Greg and Rayshon. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's all my thought. I mean, I think that the Lions made a solid pick with, with, with Sewell. It was very, very Dan Campbell-y pick. Um, they're not going to make a, a big splash. I mean, what did he say in his opening presser? He's going to have guys who want to bite knees and, and just that, right. <laughs> Penny Sewell, that kind of guy. Um, just a big dude who's going to do whatever you want for you. And um, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be a solid, solid alignment. It's just not a strictly uh, splashy pick, I would say, especially with the with the uh, offensive talent that went off the board earlier. For sure, for sure, and it's just, yeah, the quarterbacks that definitely was interesting because I knew something about each of them, but I was surprised at the order that they went to. Not one, I knew the, you know we knew that was coming, yeah, but everybody knew one. That that was just kind of interesting. So, and I mean, a very cool story, North Dakota State. Um, you know, that's, that's really cool. And he's probably going to be good, you know, but, but we, you know, like he's, he's by far the biggest project I would say of the draft. So, I mean, uh, right. equivalent to what Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming a few years ago, um, right. the raw talent is there. Uh, he has to work on his accuracy, which is a big thing with Josh Allen. 
Um, there's still some question marks there with Josh Allen, in my opinion. I mean, it's just going into year four in the league. He had one really great year, but the two years before that weren't underwhelming. So we'll see if he can do it consistently. Um, sure. Maybe yeah. he's in San Francisco. So he's got Garoppolo. Yeah, he's got Garoppolo to learn from. So it's not like they put all their eggs in his basket. Well, the thing is, he's going to need offensive weapons, and I'm not too sure what offensive weapons are out in San Francisco for him to, you know, right. learn the game at an NFL speed for. Because, I mean, they had Marquise Goodwin, who was great, but he he signed with the Falcons, I believe, recently. So um, yeah. I, I, I don't know who's going to be catching passes for him there. Right, right. Really, really interesting. Really interesting. And I have to say, as – boring sometimes as alignment is as a pick as a first pick. offensive lineman defensive right line get excited about offense right i was i was for the first time in a long time i was super psyched about who the lions picked and the, with their first round pick um it's he's somebody sewell is somebody that's going to grow he's going to but he's also going to be uh an instant you know force for them um they were comparing him to guys like Tony Baselli and Jonathan Ogden and guys like that. And I mean, Jonathan Ogden's in the hall of fame and Tony Baselli has been a finalist. So um, that's always good, good, uh, good company, but you know, just to see, to see them pick, they've picked linemen before and you're in the first round and you're kind of like, well, we'll see like on, on paper, this was a great pick. Yeah. And hopefully potential wise, this is the best I felt about that you know sometimes there's somebody that's good on paper it's the safe pick or whatever but you're like yeah i kind of wish they would have gone another direction or it's not that exciting but for me this was exciting i'm like oh my gosh they picked the right person at the right pick that happens so infrequently with the lions that it just drives me crazy i don't understand how the lions seem to their their later round draft picks do better than their first round draft picks and that's not a that's not a salute to their later round draft picks. No. That means they're not picking right. They're just whiffing. First. They're whiffing and whiffing. Um, so I have the list up here, and I will uh, give Will, since you are new to the the Lions coverage area, a little bit of a. Let's see. Let's see how many of these names I even recognize. A little of the history. Now we're starting. This is in my lifetime, so we're st- we're starting in the first year I remember watching the Lions. Okay, yeah. which is 1988. I was seven. I was not born. So their first round pick, they had the third pick, and they picked safety Benny Blades. Fantastic pick. Out of University he was Miami. Out of Miami, yep. He was great for a long time. He was part of their great defense that, you know, won, went to the NFC Championship game a couple years later. They were, they were, that was a great pick. Next pick, number three in 1989, Barry Sanders, obviously the best pick they've ever made. Can't believe he was the third pick when you look back at this. Yeah, who was one and two? I mean, Tony Mandarich was one. He was an offensive tackle, and he was a bust. Um, And then I honestly can't remember. I couldn't tell you who the number two pick was, but whoever it was was no Barry Sanders. I can tell you that. Um, So it's it's just really interesting. And then the next – then it started to get weird. The next year in 1990, they had the seventh pick, and they picked Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Andre Ware. They already had Rodney Pete, who had been pretty good out of USC, you know, for a couple years. They picked a kind of run and gun quarterback that didn't match their offense, and he was a bust. So you wasted a you know a top ten pick on a quarterback who really never did much. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he wasn't a great player. He deserved the Heisman Trophy. He was a great player, but there's a big difference. You couldn't. 
you couldn't uh they didn't he wasn't the right fit he wasn't the right kind of fit i mean he would be a great you know might have been a great at another position you know if they worked on that like the nfl really didn't do that yet we hadn't reached the cordell stewart days and things like this um but then again the, the next year number 10 pick wide receiver herman moore great pick the best receiver they've ever had um, and then the next year, defensive end Robert Porsche. So in a five-year period, besides where they got Benny Blades, Barry Sanders, Herman Moore, and Robert Porsche. Do you now, think Robert Porsche, Herman Moore was the best wide receiver they've ever had. Does that include Calvin Johnson? At that point, no. Oh, at that okay. point. I was about to yeah. say, I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. No, 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 no. Calvin okay. Johnson. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get to him. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. So. I mean, Porsche wasn't great, but he was the 26th pick. It's not like he was like the fourth pick. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And he was solid, and I'm pretty sure he's still their all-time sack leader. Um, but in a five-year period, that's pretty good draft class, drafting group. And guess what? That year, that last year of that group, they were in the NFC Championship game. Wow, you put some good drafts together, and that's what happened. And I thought, man, I, man, I grew up when the Lions were good. It was so weird. So this, like... A lot of people now, they, they're just used to these doldrums of this just boring, you know, they're going to choke at the end. There's no hope. When I was a kid, there was hope. They made it the NFC Championship game, the first full season I remember watching. And they had Barry Sanders. I'm like, this is Barry Sanders only been in the league three years. He's got another 10 years. They got to be good, right? No. Do, do you remember the – I mean, I, I don't remember this because obviously my lifetime is, is shorter, but – when was the last year they won a playoff game? I don't know if I was alive. Yeah, it was like – no, that was it. It was that year. They've been to the playoffs several times. But the last year they won a playoff game was that year they went to the NFC Championship game, 91. Yeah, okay, was not alive. Yeah, it was crazy. It is crazy. So then we get to – okay, we're going to go to the – we're moving to the okay draft picks. They didn't have one in 93. Um, and then in 94, Johnny Morton, wide receiver at 21. Then the next year, defensive tackle Luther Ellis at 20. Solid guys. You already had an established group at that point. I mean, you had coming off the, that NFC Championship game, you had those guys we mentioned, but you also had Chris Spielman, Jerry Ball, Ray Crockett, um, Mel Gray. I mean, you had lots of great players on that team. Lomas Brown. Kevin Glover. That was a that was a, a great team. But now we're now we get into these picks that you're just like you. I just don't understand some of them. I just don't understand some of them are too safety safety kind of picks. You know they picked in '96. They had two late first rounders. They picked linebacker Reggie Brown, who was actually a really good pick, but he was the one that broke his neck. Yeah. Um. So that you can't fault the Lions on that pick. That was a, I thought that was a decent pick at the time. Then they picked guard Jeff Hardings from Penn state number 23. That was one of those boring, safe, you know, safe kind of picks, whatever. He was okay. Number five, the next year, Bryant Westbrook, cornerback out of Texas. Yep. Decent pick, decent pick, maybe not a five pick, but a decent pick. And then the next year they picked another corner, Terry fair from Tennessee at number 20. I thought that was a great pick at 20. Um, that was going to be, be really good. And he was good for a little bit, but you know, <laughs> Then they picked 1999. Now, here's where we start. Tailing off. We start the slide. 99 was okay. 99, the ni they had two first-rounders. The ninth pick, they picked linebacker Chris Claiborne out of USC, who was really good for a couple years. Um, it was it didn't on paper. I, and I'm thinking back at these drafts of what we knew at the time also, because obviously hindsight's completely different. Yeah, exactly. 
But then at 27, they picked offensive tackle Aaron Gibson from Wisconsin. And then he like broke his foot or something and was never anything. And he was supposed to be the left tackle to change the line and everything like that. And I was, you know, at the time I was like, well, if he was that good, why didn't they pick him at nine? Yeah. Or why didn't they pick a different guy at nine? I'm not really sure. So Aaron, so this is, they got him, then Stocker McDougal, then Jeff Backus, all linemen in a row. They were all okay. Nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. Uh, but they were late round picks. Then they got number three, Joey Harrington in 2002. And everybody dogs this pick. At the time, it was not a bad pick. They hadn't picked a quarterback at all since the Andre Ware fiasco. They've been just picking off old outcasts, Dave Craig, Scott Mitchell, uh, you know, guys like that. that you, you, know, you don't need to be, you know, you need to grow somebody. Yeah. So he was the best one of that group and so it was a, but he ended up being just okay and you you know you can't pick a quarterback three and have him be just okay and then whatever then we went on the wide receiver spree where we got charles rogers roy williams and mike williams in back-to-back years three years in a row uh then we had a year off and took ernie sims at number nine linebacker from florida state i'm saying you i recognize that name but not not a great pick, if you ask me. Um, Current assistant coach at University of South Florida. Yeah, he first alma he, he was a good. I mean, he was a good player. He was a he fantastic was a good, college player. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And at number nine, you just weren't sure. At that point, we were all just thankful they didn't pick another receiver for a fourth year in a row. But at the same time, they had no quarterback. Joey had failed at this point. This is several years later. Yeah. They had nothing. And at nine, they could have picked Matt Liner. Now, I know hindsight doesn't look like that great for Matt Liner, right? He got injured and whatever. But at the time, he had just won the Heisman Trophy. The Lions hadn't needed a quarterback every year that before we got to Matthew Stafford. Every year of my entire life, they've needed a quarterback. So how does it help you to pick a linebacker when you can't have, when you don't have a, they had zero starting quarterback at the time. Joey Harrington was done. They weren't sure what to do. They weren't sure what moves they were going to make, and they picked a linebacker. I was so angry. Now, hindsight shows us that not picking Matt Liner might not have been the worst thing. Thank you. But at the time, you're telling your fans, we don't even want the Heisman Trophy winner. We don't, we don't want a quarterback is what you're telling them. We don't want a quarterback in the first round. And so they went several more years with no quarterback. So to me, it would have been worth a shot there. Proven winner in Leinart. Again, not necessarily. You're, you're taking a bit of a gamble, but come on. He, wouldn't he have been, a for your fans, a sexier pick than Ernie Sims? Because you, again, have no quarterback, and everybody's been dogging Joey for years, and you're back to picking off John Kitna and all these other old outcasts you know so I wasn't I didn't understand that pick at all then the next year they picked another receiver and everybody was so upset but at number two they picked Calvin Johnson and he was the best player available and he's probably the second best player maybe in the history of the Lions franchise yeah probably so that was a a good pick God Sir Cherilius the next year a late first rounder they needed offensive lineman because they always need an offensive lineman they always need a corner an offensive lineman and a quarterback always um, and I don't understand how we don't how in twenty some years we didn't get through. You don't hit where some of those stick. Yeah. Uh, 
But then, thank goodness, 2009 great draft pick, Matthew Stafford, overall number one. Then Brandon Pettigrew was late in the first round also. Good late first round kind of a pick. Ndamukong Sue, number two the next year. Exactly what they needed. Exactly what, I mean, I know he's had some some issues, but he's a really, really good player. He still is. Uh, And still is. And then they also got uh, Javid Vest at pick 30 that year. Nick Fairley, defensive tackle. Riley Reef. Offensive tackle Ezekiel Ansah at number five. I'm not Ooh, sure about that. He's I a good player. I love Ziggy Ansah. He's a I great player, but I at the time we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Eric Ebron, another tight end. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, who? Taylor Decker, mm, Jer- Jared Davis, mm, Frank Ragnow. Mm, he's He's center from Arkansas. I mean, he's he's pretty, you know, he's he's a decent player. But like, and T.J. Hawkinson, another tight end. I don't know why they keep getting all these tight ends in the first round when they don't have any line or any defense. I just don't understand that. Absurdly good. And then last year, last year they, yeah, oh for sure. But I'm still, it's still one of those. What uh, I'm not really sure what your goal is. And that was an pick at eight, and it turned out to be. Good, but at the time you're like, we have bigger needs. Than this, this is only going to be his third year in the league, right? Coming into his third year, right? Yeah, I mean that that team. Like, I'm going on my college because like I'm a college football guy through and through. Right. I mean, Iowa had two tight ends in the first round that year. That just proves how right. absurd they both were. Right, for sure, for sure. And then last year they picked the corner from Ohio State. I thought that was a good pick. Um, so they went. They've had back to back good picks. Oh my gosh, the last time they had back to back good picks was Stafford and Sue in 2009-2010. And before that, the last time they had, like, really good first-round picks back-to-back was in the maybe? I mean, if you want to count Bryant Restbrook and Terry Fair, yeah. or do we go back to – I mean, and if you don't, like, think that Robert Porsche was that great, then you go back. The last time they had surefire back-to-back picks was – 88-89, Benny Blitz and Barry Sanders. That's how bad they are. So I've got to feel some sort of confidence knowing that maybe for this, maybe the maybe at most the fourth, at least the second time in a row, I'm happy about their two first-round picks back-to-back. Yeah, and I mean, I would even consider it three if you go Hawkinson – um, last year and then now it's uh, uh, that's true that's yeah. true that's I mean, true obviously you don't know what Seal's gonna be because you know we, if he hasn't suited up right we've seen what's there. happened to Aaron Gibson and we've seen uh great looking line college linemen like Cherilius and Bacchus be just fine yeah I mean I, I think with with, with Sewell it, worst case scenario unless he has some horrible injury or something I think worst case scenario he'll be average I mean he is a Right. He's a as much of a can't miss offensive lineman prospect as there is in these days. You know what I mean? Right. He, he's just, I mean, he dominated the Pac-12. I'm really interested to see, especially, I mean, it's not just Seal, it's a lot of guys. Um, Rayshon Slater from Northwestern who, who went to San Diego um, and, and a bunch of guys opted out this past season. I'm interested right. to see how quickly they can catch up the speed because they had a whole college season off. Now they're going straight from two years ago college to NFL speed. I'm very intrigued to see how, Quick, that's right. That's going to be really interesting for a lot of guys, for a lot of guys. And, and the lions, I mean, just speaking as a, I mean, like I would consider myself a lions fan. I mean, pro football is not my favorite sport by any means, but I, of course I want the lions to win, especially because the city needs it more than anything, you know, but 
they've needed an offensive lineman just about every year. I feel yeah. like they've never landed one, but so this is the first one that I'm been excited about ever. I mean, Taylor Decker. Eh, I mean, I'm not, these are not, I'm not discounting that these people, yeah. but like Riley Reef, Godser Cherilius, Jeff Backus, Stocker McDougal, Aaron Gibson. I mean, I like the Jeff Backus pick at 18 that year because he was from Michigan, you know, and that that made sense, you know, and whatever. But that was more sentimental than anything. But that's that's it. If you need an offensive lineman, how have they only picked five, six, seven, seven in the last 30 years? Yeah, that's not a lot. And you heard who they were. And he had four wide receivers back to back to back to back. Right. I mean, you and you heard who they were. The last time before yesterday, the last time that they picked a quality offensive lineman that on paper looked good, potential looked good, and it wasn't just a safe pick or whatever, yeah. was Lomas Brown in 1985. Yeah. See, I never – That is that. a long, long, long time to go without a surefire offensive lineman. Well, I wouldn't call anybody a surefire anything. I mean, I think the only player in the, any draft ever that I would call a surefire success is Trevor Lawrence. And I, I think right. he is, that's true. He, I think he's the only person I've ever seen come up from the college ranks to be a surefire pick. I just think he's that's true. That. That's that's true. That's true. But there's no I mean, everybody else, there's been a either I'm not excited about or there's been some sort of alarm go off. OK, yeah. And, and it's not just the linemen. It's everybody. Yeah, it's yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stafford was a great pick. Calvin Johnson was a great pick. Uh, the the first receiver of the bunch, no, the Charles Rogers at number two, I thought that was a little high for him. But Roy Williams the next year at seven, the first Roy Williams from Texas, yeah. I thought that was a good pick. Um, but everybody else was just okay since, you know, Blades, Barry Sanders, Herman Moore. I mean, I like really that's... Wish, of that whole list, the thing that I wish could happen today is that Andre Ware could just come back and be in his prime and play in today's NFL. Absolutely. It would be completely different. It would be completely different. Oh, good. He would be kind of like a, like a, I mean, he ran, but he could throw. I mean, he was kind of like almost like a Russell Wilson type. Yeah. um, He was a a smaller dude, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's, he probably didn't understand much as Lamar, but I mean, Lamar can sling it too. Um, Right. But I just don't understand. I, we didn't understand that pick at the time. Because we had yeah, Rodney, no, Pete, and Rodney Pete was fine. Rodney Pete was, got you to the playoffs, and he was a good quarterback. So why pick a quarterback at seven two I mean, years after that? I obviously I wasn't around then, but I think a lot of it to me would probably go into. I mean, this little dude with the, the with extreme production at a little school like Houston, winning the Heisman Trophy, like. If he can do that at Houston, what can he do when he has, you know, the resources available to him in the NFL and the talent available to him? Maybe right. there was some mystique around him there. Like I said, I don't know. I wasn't around, but that's just going off in my head as sort of a, a logical way to reach at that. Right. See, he, as a kid, he was the reason I knew what that Houston had a college. Oh, like, because yeah. I was I was seven. So, like, uh, you know, I knew who was in the Big Ten. And I, you know what I mean? I knew some of the power teams, but I was like, oh, Houston. What conference? That's a pro team, right? That's the Houston Oilers, right? I don't even know what conference they were in back then. I have no idea. Uh, It says he was 6'2". So so he wasn't that small. small. But it it was just, it was just, I feel like they just didn't know what to do. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. First African-American quarterback to win the Heisman. Yeah. Interesting. Which also seems 
really late when you think about some of the quarterbacks that went before. But yeah, just yeah. just really it it was it still is as you can tell, it still is confusing to me why they picked him, and it also still is confusing to me why they didn't handle him right. So um you figure you if you're gonna pick him, you're gonna know what to do with him. I think you could do that for literally maybe 31 of the 32 teams in the NFL with the exception of the Patriots. Cause the Patriots ever since Bill Belichick got there, know exactly what they're doing, but I mean, right. you can, you can look at, I don't know, the Miami Dolphins picks for the last however many years and, and, and you'll be confused by sign. It's just scouts and, and GMs like to claim there's some signs, but there's just no way of knowing how, like right. these dudes could get into a car accident the day after you pick them and, and, and never be the same. Right. It's true. There's no it's way true. of knowing. It's true, but I feel like the Lions specifically – I mean, the Browns have been like this too, don't get me wrong. Yes. Uh, but I feel like the Lions specifically, when you – if you so if you cut out those picks, Barry Sanders and Benny Blades were in the 80s. And if you – so if you if you just say from, from the point they went to the championship game in 92, right, in the NFC championship game, if you go from there, there are very – I mean, and they've been bad at times too in that, clearly, for a long time. There are only in 30 years, let's say about 30 years, there's only four guys that I can be like, that I even remember at the time that I was like, that was a good pick. Like, I feel like they don't even know how to lead their fan base in the right direction to be on board. I feel like, like the, the the thinking uh, that you're kind of saying is, is dangerous. Because obviously the draft is a huge entertainment and, and it's changing these kids' lives, which is amazing. But the immediacy that we as a society need in, in terms of, Oh, draft grade a draft grade B's it's kind of ridiculous and preposterous. Cause these kids have never played an NFL game before. Right. So like, I don't like to go ahead and judge draft picks until year three or four at the, at the most. Right. I mean, that's like saying you're going to, Oh, the, the, uh, it's the same thing with recruiting classes. Like, yeah, you get stars and, and five stars matter and four stars matter. But, but at the end of the day, like, you don't expect this kid to come in as a freshman and just blow everybody away. Like you need right. to time for them to develop. That's why you don't see most college kids. Right. And if we, and if we need a reminder of that, all we need to look at is Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come or, on. you know, the Michigan quarterback situation for the past, however many years, I mean, right. I haven't had a good one, but they've, they're recruit. I mean, Shea Patterson was the best recruiting best quarterback recruit in the country. And Shea right. Patterson was mediocre at best. Right. And then in the draft, Brady was in the last round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which Patterson is, didn't get drafted. Right. So it's just, it's just really interesting, but I feel like my, my frustration with it isn't about who they pick because I don't pretend to know. I know enough about any of these guys. Yeah. But I feel like when they really need alignment, they don't get one or they, you know, or they, it's, it's a, it, there's not the best lineman left. So they just pick one to pick one. Else, yeah. Or when they really need a quarterback, they don't pick a quarterback. Yeah. That, that was the, I mean, like we can't pretend that every position is equal. No. But, but if you, if you're bad and you're bad because you don't have a quarterback, you can't go from Andre Ware. You can't go 20 years without drafting a first round quarterback to Joey Harrington or 10 years or whatever it was. Um, yeah, something like that. A little more than 10 years, 12 years. And then, then you go to Stafford when you, that was a fine, like they couldn't have messed that up. Yeah. That one was, you know, you, you knew what was happening there. It becomes but, like a vicious. But that's 20 years. That's 20 years in the middle there where you don't have a good quarterback and you only draft one in the first round. I mean, what's, what's the message you're sending to your fans 
if you if you have a lousy quarterback for 20 years and you never pick one. I mean, to, to me, uh, the whole message you're sending to your fans thing is extremely goofy and like yeah, the GMs and coaches, they don't care what the, about what the fans think. They're, they're going to get their guys and they're going to get their – I think the, the thing that could be the disconnect there between the fans and the Detroit Lions organization, I know Jim Caldwell was there for a long time, but but in that whole gap, I mean, how many different head coaches were there? How many different GMs were there? They want to get right. their guys and they're like, okay, I can wait on a quarterback because maybe a quarterback coming out in the next year, I like him more as a prospect. So right. then if that person's only there for three, four years, you miss the window of opportunity and then you got to start it off from scratch again. That's, true. that's that's where the whole disconnect happens. Whereas, you know, fans like m- most Lions fans are annoyed that you haven't hit in 20 years or whatever. But I mean, if you're going through another head coach every four years, another GM every four years, like you can't really expect to. So that's where the vicious cycle kind of is. And I think everybody thought Patricia would be the guy because, you know, he's a Belichick, heir of Belichick. And, and I mean, he was just a total nosedive completely. I did not think. I don't that. know why they fired Jim Caldwell. I think I still don't know. I still don't understand that at all. I mean, they took a step down from when they went to the playoffs and should have won that game against Dallas, but yeah, I had that that costly that costly penalty in quotation marks. Yeah, um, and I don't like to blame things on the refs, but that one that was bad. I mean, the same I'm gonna, next week. I mean, next week the Cowboys got uh, got what they deserve on the Des catch. I mean, so right. So it's. But I just, yeah. So it's 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 really interesting. I don't. I have no idea why they fired Caldwell at all. I don't understand that. That was the first. That was the first stable coach they've had in my lifetime. Because even Wayne Fonts that led him to that title game. I mean, he, you know, my dad used to joke all the time because he would listen to the, you know, the sports talk on the, uh, you know, on the way to work every day. You know, and he would come back and he, I'd be like, what did they say this time? And you know, one day he'll be like. They're like, Wayne Fonts is an idiot. Wayne Fonts is an idiot. And the very next day, Wayne Fonts is a genius. Wayne Fonts is a genius. Or the next week or whatever. They had no idea. His it was such a it was such a peaks and valleys yeah. few years with him as the coach. Um and, and hilariously, I'm pretty sure he's like the winningest coach in Lions history. Um, and it's just really it's just really funny. But like that also shows that they don't know what they're doing as an organization. If if in since then, if in 20 plus years they haven't been able to get a coach to last. Yeah. I mean, that, at the end of that comes down to ownership. And, and I mean, Caldwell was the guy. I, I mean, I still think I he could be the coach, but like they tried Marty Morningweg. They tried Dick Geron. They oh, had, I mean, they had all these guys that you're just like, what, why? Like, I'm not really sure why. And I feel like they never really made. Until Patricia, they never really went out and made like a splash hire, like the hot coordinator. Right. They never did until Patricia. And Patricia was on everybody's head coaching list for years before then. We just never wanted to leave New England. Um, right. And then they go out and make the splash hire and it fails miserably for them. So then now they come back to Dan Campbell, which is just kind of like, I mean, I guess the kind of guy. I mean, Dan Campbell, his energy sort of epitomizes Detroit, just the very blue collar and, and hard nosed kind of dude. Right. But, I mean, and his one stint as an interim head coach did not go great. Um, right. But, you know, we'll see. It's just been, it's been really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Marinelli, Jim Schwartz. Jim Steve, Mar- Steve Mariucci was not a bad hire at the time. No. I mean, he was coming off success in San Francisco, but that was 2003 to five. You had Marty Morningway before that. Gary Moeller for a hot second there. Bobby Ross, uh, straight out of his Georgia Tech days, and then Wayne Fonz before that. So, like, Tim Schwartz was like not good, but he was like solid ish. 
I mean, he's a fantastic DC wherever right. he's a really good. Oh DC. yeah. But as a head coach, like he was, he was probably given a bit more leash than the other guys you named on that list. Right. Right. And Bobby Ross made it to the playoffs two years in a row with the lions there. And then Jim Schwartz made it once and Caldwell made it twice. Caldwell is the only, <laughs> the only person to take the lines of the playoffs twice since, you know, since Bobby Ross. Yeah. I, I don't know why they fired him. Yeah. I just, I still don't get it. So anyway, so we'll see what happens in these next rounds. The Lions will probably, you know, they'll either find a big way to blow it or their late drafts will end up being better than their first rounders again. What, what players really do they need is what I'm trying to think. Do they need a wide receiver? I mean, yeah, they're gonna. And then they always, you know, need a corner, some sort of defensive back, um, you know, could use another D lineman and uh linebacker. So we'll see what, what so, sticks where as far as, you know, that's it's the same positions they always need. It's just yeah. like I've never looked at the lines and been like, you know who they need? A running back. I've never thought that in my life. Now, the first part, I mean, they had Barry Sanders for like 14 of those years. But, like, that's never been where they go. Well, didn't they Since get a they Barry bullet Sanders. at one point? Yeah, they've had, they had, they've had some good – they've had some good running backs. And they've had some good picks – yeah. Running backs. He's the guy from Nebraska, right? Amir Abdullah, yeah. I think he yeah, went. That was a good pick. Yeah. That was a good pick. But it wasn't a first-round pick. They, But it never has it been their number one need to be a running back. There's teams that need – their number one need is a running back every year. <laughs> like, well, then you get into a whole football philosophical question. Of, do you take a running back in the first round? Because they're – I mean, there's two running backs taking the first round last year and last night, and that's like, whoa, why are you taking a running back in the first right. round? Right, the game has changed so much. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, that's – uh, yeah. I've never thought, you know what, they need a tight end, but yet they've had four tight ends in the first round. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, it's just it's just one of those interesting, interesting things that you you never really know. You never really know. And it's, you know, it's it's just I actually have, I actually feel like they made the right move. Yeah. That happens so rare in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, what you just said is is very much the whole ethos of the NFL draft is that you never really know. Like you're, you're right. not going to know until and you're, of course not. you're not going to know until 2024, 2025. If these, if Penny civil is going to pan out. Right. Yeah. I still don't even know. Like, I mean, switching sports, I have no idea how major league. No, dude, I, don't. I don't know how they draft anybody. I don't know. There's too many. There's so many layers. you got high school kids. you got uh, people from out of the country. You've got those uh, organizations are so much bigger. College. Though. The, the, those organizations employ right. so many more scouts and their scouts. Oh are yeah, for sure. But when you're the one making the pick, how do you really hire our, all those people that are so much further away from the majors than NFL draft where they're going stepping right in? It's so, it's so weird yeah, to me. It's, the baseball draft is bizarre in, in many ways. I yeah. don't fully understand it. And I played baseball my entire life. I mean, it's kind of why it doesn't have the, you know, the sexy TV spot that the NFL and the NBA no, don't, because so you're not going to know who these people are for four years anyway. No, no it's, no, it's it's insane. Four years yeah. if you're lucky. For sure. So, all right, so let's shift gears. I mean, and that's enough uh, draft. I didn't know we would talk that much. That's uh, There's a lot. There was actually a lot to say there. And yeah, that, I, didn't, I had much to say on the draft. Yeah. I don't even watch the NFL. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about Hope College stuff. Since we did our last podcast, we've had uh, some teams finish up their uh, winter and or spring that really were fall sports um so 
Um, I mean, we talked a lot about the basketball team the last time, but we saw uh, Kennedy Schoonveld and Olivia Bosco were named first team All-Americans and Brian Morehouse was named coach of the year for the second year in a row. Rightfully so. Um, Oh, rightfully so. I mean, how do you not pick him when the, yeah. the way the season went? I mean, there's no, I mean, it may, that makes sense. And yeah. I knew Kennedy would get that um, too. She was a All-American last year. I think Olivia uh, was the best player on the team last year. Right. And for her to get that, for her to jump into first team All-American, that's, it's really rare that you go from nothing, nothing to first team. And yeah. I mean, she, maybe she was an honorable mention or something last year, but like, Usually it's known commodities and yeah. um, by the, by the board, I mean, she's been a known commodity around here, but by yeah. the, by the board. And so that was, that was really cool to see. And I mean, how many times are we going to have two local kids playing for their hometown team that are first team? All yeah. Both Hall and Christian <laughs> together. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting for sure. Um, uh, the volleyball team won the MIAA title, which was really interesting to see because they had just lost to Calvin the week before didn't look real great. Uh, they had a player that was in quarantine that ended up coming back and that changed things a little bit, but the, their energy was, they also had lost their setter, one of their starting setters uh, who got injured during the MIAA tournament. So they still were shorthanded and they figured it out and beat Calvin and it was exciting. It was like one of those uh, classic uh, hope Calvin matches. The second set went extra points, quite a few extra points it went back and forth. It wasn't a sweep. I mean, there's, it was, it was very exciting. It had that, it had that energy, even in a uh, building that only had like 25% or whatever yeah. people in it. So that was really exciting to see. And and now they flip really quickly to the fall and the setter who was out with the injury is the only one of the eight in their starting rotation that's gone. Yeah. So it's the exact same players. They're going to be, on there again. And then who, who knows who they might bring in as well, um, you know, as recruits. Uh, so that's exciting to see that upswing of hope volleyball because they, I mean, they won the national championship in 2014 after, you know, Calvin had won a couple and they'd been kind of, they'd been ranked number one or number two, but it was always, you know, if they were number two, Calvin was number one. So they hadn't even established themselves as the power in their own league. And then they won the national championship and that was huge. Um, and then, you know, then, Calvin got into another stretch uh, where they, you know, kind of dominated for a while. And so it's nice to see little, little spots like that. I mean, so in that stretch, Will, I mean, I know you're, you know, new to the area. Um, So Calvin has won like three or four national championships and they've had, I want to say five sisters named camp. Okay over the year over in that stretch since 2010. So in the last, you know, 11 years, they've had five sisters come play there. Yeah. Four of them were division three national players of the year. Okay. So (laughs) that's a, that's like the equivalent of a military coup, you know, just coming in. Um, So they kind of took a, took a hold of that, but, but when, I mean, they had some of those players when hope won the national championship. So that's how big of a deal that was. Yeah, uh, when they beat Calvin in the national semifinals um, and then made it to the finals. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, well, you saw a little bit of soccer. The soccer, the men's soccer team won. Uh, also, uh, they 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 looked pretty good. They had a weird season with uh, extremely weird. more than anybody else, where they sat out for so long and then played like a bunch of games in a row, two different times. Yeah. Um, 
What yeah. did you think of them? Yeah, so I mean, I uh, they played four games in the regular season, whereas every other team in the conference played at least eight in the regular season. Um, they came into the tournament, haven't they didn't win a game in about three weeks at that point when they were coming into the tournament. Um, so they were not in a good place uh, mentally or anything like that. Um, then they have a, a, a game against Adrian, um, you know, kind of shake off the rust. Adrian was the lowest seed or one of the lower seeds in the, in the tournament. Um, kind of win easily three, nothing. Uh, and then I was at that game and, and they really dominated from, you know, the, the get go. Um, and then uh, it kind of took everybody by surprise. Whereas after the first round, Hope, who were three seed, were the highest seed remaining because Calvin lost, and I believe Kalamazoo was the other team yeah, that maybe lost. Kalamazoo were trying one of those two. You know, yeah, it wasn't trying. Yeah. They beat trying in the final, so I believe right, Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo was the second yeah. seed. Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of a, a crazy thing that you know nobody really, ex- everybody kind of expected you know go on the road and, and you know have to win everything out from there just uh, on the road and against higher seeded teams. But at the first round, the number three seed was the best seed remaining, so they got you right. know to stay at Hope. Um, stay in Holland, just kind of chill, relax, and kind of get their legs under them after they haven't played in so long. Um, I think uh, their coaches were kind of – coaches and players were kind of hesitant to admit this when I talked to them. Uh, they, they, they gave up a little bit, but but I was just like, you know, I mean, obviously this weird start-stop, start-stop season is, is, is awful and it kind of stinks, but do you think at the end of this, when, when all is said and done, I mean, heading into the tournament it's better because your legs are so much fresher than these guys who have played double your games right and they're like maybe but i'm not too sure about that um that was after the adrian game and then you know they go ahead and run the table they beat uh alma 3-1 in the semifinals and then against trying they were down one nothing at halftime and then they scored a goal in like 70th minute to tie it and then they scored a goal four minutes into overtime so you know and then which ended up winning the game and the, and the defense just held out and another interesting thing about hope is this is their this is their first um miwa title uh, t- tournament title since like 2012, 2013, I think. So since I was in high school um, <laughs> and they return everybody, they have two seniors on the team, but they're both coming back because they're just doing grad programs. So they figure they stay and, and, and do soccer again, um, which is great. So they're going to return an entire MIAA conference winning roster. Um, so they should be even better. Um, and, you know, those freshmen, sophomores, juniors got another year of development. Those seniors kind of, you know, just take that extra year. And I mean, they should be better than they were this year. Um, they haven't won a regular season title since 06, I believe. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit, uh, later than that, but I think it's 06. Um, so it's been a while. Um, yeah. The same kind of thing. Calvin had a stranglehold. I mean, Calvin was in a national championship game a few years ago. Um, they've just, even when hope has been ranked, there's been several years where hope's been ranked, but Calvin's just been ranked higher. Yeah. Well, and then it's kind of the opposite with the, or, or not in that sense, but it's kind of the opposite in sense of everybody kind of expected the women's soccer team to at least make it to the final, to take on Calvin in the final. Um, but they got knocked out in the first round against Kalamazoo. So, right. uh, I mean, Kalamazoo just kind of dominated that game from the first 20 minutes were kind of even and hope was, I would even say hope was on the front foot a little bit, but then at Kalamazoo, they just kind of, the, the Kalamazoo just kept getting shots in and shots in and shots. And I think hope had, two shots in the first half of that game. They averaged like 20 in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were behind the eight ball from, from the get go and, and Kalamazoo just wouldn't, wouldn't give up and they just kept getting shots on net. And, and eventually a couple of them got through. For sure. For sure. And so that kind of brings us to the end of the fall slash spring yeah. <laughs> stuff. Um, we still got the spring sports for hope, baseball, softball, lacrosse track, 
tennis, um, tennis and women's tennis team is they've won their sixth straight MIAA regular season title and they play in the tournament next week, um, which is uh, understandable because they built this a really good program. But with the COVID year last year and they lost their top two singles players who were all Americans, you weren't quite sure what you're going to get, you know, as far as the development of some of the younger players and everything. Yeah. And it's, um, but you're seeing it, you're seeing it. And that's, uh, that's very encouraging. And that shows that their program's moving in the right direction um, or conti- continuing in the right direction, I should say. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what's going on. You'll uh, readers will be able to read about the hope softball team and the hope tennis team and the track team. And in the, in the next coming week, we're going to get out to baseball as soon as we can as well. Um, and then we'll have some more high school, high school things to, to read about too, as well. Um, hot shot Hamilton pitchers. And uh, we're going to hit up a good chunk of the, uh, the high school sports with the, uh, at least somebody interesting to read about in the next week or so too. Um, there's going to be, there's a lot of, the spring always brings a lot of great stories and we love telling them. So uh, definitely be on the lookout uh, for those. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's springtime. It's sunny. It's sunny today. It's a, Still it's a nice cold. feeling. Still too yeah, cold. <laughs> that's the Florida guy talking right there. So I mean, it's like 50 degrees today, man. That's absurd. Yeah. Oh, one other, one team I did want to mention since the story's already run the Saugatuck girls soccer team. They've continued their tradition of the girls teams uh, having really fantastic seasons, either the best seasons ever or in a while. Um, the volleyball team did that. The basketball team, girls basketball team, girls basketball team was this. Uh, that was their best team for fifteen years or something like that. And now, very good. Yeah. The soccer team has only had one year ever in their history with a winning record and right now they are seven one and one so probably clinched a winning record by this point. yeah it's it's close to i think they need a you know at least one or one or two more to to officially do that um but that's that's remarkable um considering that that's um never really been on the radar for them so uh it'll be interesting to see what happens with them um they lost their first game the other yesterday and also gave up their first goal. That was the first goal they gave up. They, the first seven, they even that one tie, it was zeros. They even yeah. had seven yeah. shutouts to start the season. So that'll be interesting to see. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll keep looking out for more interesting things, but there's definitely lots of great athletes all over the place here, which is, which is really fun, uh, fun to see. So uh, we'll be back talking next week uh, about more, uh, more things. We're going to, we'll hit the high school, uh, high school storylines pretty hard in the next podcast and also talk about, uh, you know, some other pro things. We might talk a little bit about the, the who's on the white caps. Uh, they announced that yesterday, uh, their number one pick uh, from last year, Spencer Torkelson will be on the white caps. So that's very exciting. Um, but we'll break down some more things like that. So uh, enjoy your week, get outside, watch some sports and uh, we'll be back next week.